it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today we have episode 257. We have two fantastic listener questions that we're going to answer today. And so without any further ado, I will go ahead and dive in and we'll get started. So here we go. Hey, Andrew and Dave, first off, thank you for all the two you do and for the wonderful podcast and courses you provide. I know you can't give financial advice, but I would love an opinion here. At what percentage do you have to be down on a stock before you bite the bullet and sell, taking a loss? I know there could be a lot of other factors that are involved here, making this a complicated question. For example, if you're down 20% on a company, but really, really believe in the future of it 10 years down the road, you could always DCA AK dollar cost average into that stock and lower your average stock price. On the contrary, if you're down 60% on a stock, the odds of coming back from that are slim when you could move the money elsewhere to make real gains. I hope this makes sense, and I'm hoping you two could provide a strategy for this. Thank you again for all your help and wisdom, and I hope you two enjoyed the holidays. So, Andrew, I'm going to turn this over to you first to first take. This is a really good question, and this, this could be a lot of fun. This is a great question, and thanks for writing in. I'm going to answer from my perspective, which is trying to take a long-term approach to investing, which means I try to find good businesses and try to hold them for the long term. Haven't always been that way, but that's the bigger focus lately, even more so than in the past. So with that in mind, what the stock price has done does not factor in much into what I'm going to do with the stock. Like the listener said here, there are a lot of other factors that are involved, which does make it complicated, but the stock price really shouldn't be one of them even though emotionally it can definitely draw your attention to different stocks. Like if I'm looking at my portfolio and one of them's way down compared to the other ones, that's going to grab my attention. I'm going to take a look, but I might have feelings one way or the other about that, but how I behave if I sell or not should come down to something else. And it comes down to the business because I'm buying and I'm investing in these businesses for the long term. So the first thing that, I think of if I see a stock that's down is what's going on with the business. 
Yeah, that's great. And I think looking at the fundamentals of the business is always probably the first thing you should do when you see that your stock is down. And we have to remember that the stock market is filled with all kinds of people. And you're going to have people making all kinds of decisions on a daily basis. And the market is going to show up every day and offer us a deal or try to offer us a deal on you know, company A every single day. And sometimes the deals may be great. Sometimes the deals may not be so great. And I think one of the things that I try to think about when I see that a stock is down a lot is thinking about what the business model is, what my thesis was for buying the company, and has anything really fundamentally changed from that idea? And if it hasn't, then I, then I have decisions to make. Then I have, you know, like, like they were saying, it's complicated. Now I have decisions to make. Does that mean that I want to double down on the investment that I have? Because it could be potentially selling for lower and it's giving me more of an opportunity to buy more of the company. And in some cases, that may be the case. And other times, it may be that the stock is down for a reason that maybe I haven't discovered. And it may require a little more research or a little more digging in to discover that there's something else going on that I may have missed in my original assessment of the company. And that's always the case. And none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. And even the great one, Warren Buffett, has, it makes mistakes from time to time. And so those are all things to keep in mind. I guess the thing that I struggle with, and full disclosure, I own a company called PayPal. And it is not done well <laughs> since I bought the company. And one of the things that I've been struggling with was whether I hold on to it or whether I double down on it or whether I sell it for a loss. And at this point, I haven't come to a conclusion yet. But it is something that I have been thinking about. And I guess... Before I kind of throw that back at Andrew, one of the things that I was thinking about along those lines is I remember reading a few days ago that Charlie Munger was talking about, by the way, he turned 99 the other day. So that's kind of nuts. He was talking about in the time that he's been involved with Berkshire, I think they've seen, I think he said six drawdowns of 50% or more of the company's stock and they never sold a share. And so that's some strong stomach there to handle those kinds of drawdowns. So it's not unusual to see our, you know, companies lose stock price fall. Amazon is famous for dropping to what was it? Five bucks or something like that at some point. And it was down, I think 90% at one point. That's a more famous version, but I like the idea of Buffett's because that's a more solid company, if you will. It's a more, I guess, air quote, boring company. And it's not, it's, so to see it down that much and the fact that people have withstood those kinds of drawdowns is encouraging to me. But when I think about PayPal, I'm not sure PayPal doesn't fall into the same categories as uh, Berkshire Hathaway. So it's a different kind of mindset. So if you had one of your companies in your portfolio that fell 60%, how, what would you do? Would you stick with it? Would you cut it loose or would you possibly buy more? You're asking me. I'm asking you. I guess I'm the only one on the other side yeah, here. You're the only one here. <laughs> so before I answer that, I think, you know, I love the point you make about Berkshire. And one of the things we have to remember, especially when you're talking about the short term of the stock market, is it moves. A lot of times it actually moves regardless of what happens inside of a business. So as a long-term holder, I'm looking at what's changed in the business. But the stock market's so random sometimes. And I mean, we're going through it now, recording this in January 2023. Sounds weird to say. Where the market was down a lot in 2022. And some of that 
was justified, but maybe some of it was not. And it's just the market can move from so many factors. And so sometimes your stock is down because of something with the business or sometimes because you were wrong or sometimes because the market's just down and the entire market's down. So it is important to differentiate that and to remember that there are many reasons why the stock market can go up and down. But over the long term, your stock will go up if the business grows and you buy that at a good price. So, you know, you're asking what I would do if a stock's down 60%. I've had stocks down 60%. So if I just rewind not too long ago during early 2020, I had a stock called Carnival, which they do cruise ships. And if you remember during the pandemic when that all first started, that was one of the first things to be shut down. Mm-hmm. So you went from a company with all these great ships that are producing gobs of cash into these big depreciating assets that aren't producing anything. And the business took a huge hit from that and they had negative earnings and now all of a sudden they're burning cash instead of making cash. So I sold that stock. And you had another stock like American Eagle, which was down a lot. And I've talked about that company a lot. And I held on to it. And that actually ended up being the right move because it rebounded by a lot. And then I was able to get out at a good price. So I hope by seeing that dichotomy, you can see that being down 60% can be two completely different scenarios, even though, yes, the stock's down 60%. If I was looking at a stock, I mean, I have stocks in my portfolio. I look at Apple today. They're down 10% more than the market's down since I bought it. So I could look at that and say, well, that was a mistake. I probably paid too much for it. But at the same time, am I going to sell it because it's underperforming the market? It comes down to one of those things where do you cry over spilt milk and compound a mistake and make it worse than it needs to be? You know, one of the bad things about buying a stock when it's too expensive is you can get a big drawdown like this and then you basically wasted your time because if you would have just waited for the expensive stock to come lower, then you could have bought at a better price. But once that mistake's been made, that price has been paid, then I feel like the question becomes, do I still want to hold this stock for the long term? Because the price I paid is the price I paid, but that was in the past. Moving forward to lock in that sell, that's more of a question in my mind about how do I feel about the company 10 years from now? from where the stock price is today. And that's different. It's completely separated from the price I may have paid. So we all make mistakes. We all overpay for stocks. But if you're still right about the company over the long term, then the fact that you lost however much in the past because you paid too much, that's in the past. Like What you do today, like just because you made a mistake in the past doesn't mean you should necessarily sell and change what could have happened in the future, if that makes sense. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access, wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. It does. It totally makes sense. I think one of the things that I try to think of when I think of a company that's down 50-60%, Visa lost 40% during the pandemic. And if you looked at their fundamentals, they did change because of how what happened during the pandemic. Cross-border payments, which is what a big part of their business, dried up because people weren't traveling. And if that continued, that could have been a real hardship for the company. And the point I'm trying to make with that is that you have to think about the fundamentals of the business. And you have to sometimes you have to try to remove the stock price from what's happening with the business because the price and what the business is doing don't always correlate. And that's why we can find deals sometimes in the market. And so you have to sometimes you have to focus on what's going on with the business. If revenues are still growing, if they're still operating efficiently, they're still making products that people like, even though the stock price is down, then you know, so what? Because like Andrew was saying, 10 years from now, if the company continues to execute on their game plan, then 10 years from now, they're going to be where you want them to be. And I think that was a great point about what you paid it is in the past. You can't change that. And what you can change is what you understand about the business and how that impacts the returns that you're going to get going forward. And if, again, if the company is still executing on their game plan, doing all the things that they need to do to make their customers happy, whoever or whatever they are, then in the long run, you're going to do well with that company, irregardless of where the price is today, whether it's down 60% or whether it's up 20%, you're still going to do well in 10 years down the road. And that's what I think sometimes gets lost in the emotion of seeing it down 60% because, hey, I have a couple of companies in my portfolio that are sitting there. It's scary to look at. And I understand that. But if I look at the 
fundamental of the business. And I can see that it's still doing what they were doing before the stock price went down, then that helps alleviate some of the problems. Now, if those things have changed, then I'm going to cut bait. If they're not performing, if the revenues are down, they've changed what they're doing, there's something fundamentally different about the business, then I'm going to change and eat it and move on. I think sometimes we get emotionally attached to the investments and we feel like that we're emotionally indebted to this company and it can make it hard. It's like we failed and we didn't fail. We you know, chose poorly <laughs> and that happens and it's best to cut bait and move on when those kinds of things happen because in the long run you can learn from the mistakes and then you can try not to repeat them the next time and then as you do that you become a better and better investor and we can learn more from companies that don't do well from poor choices and of investments than we can from sometimes you know have picking all winners kind of thing so i think i mean this is a fantastic question do you, is there anything else you wanted to kind of covering this i love that idea and i'm gonna quote the late and great kobe bryant one of my childhood heroes and he said i'm not even gonna quote him because i don't remember exactly what he said but he said something to the effect of there is no failure if you don't quit so you make a mistake but if you learn from it it's not a failure you'll never fail if you don't quit and you learn from your mistakes yep yep that's totally right and i'm so glad you brought that up that's one thing I want to make sure that people don't take away from this, that if you have companies that are down or if your portfolio is down 20, 30, 40% for the year, you know, join the club. There was lots and lots of people that were down for the year and it's not a failure. And the failure would be to quit and walk away. That would be the failure if you quit and walk away because you had a down year. And everybody has a down year. Everybody, 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 everybody. And it's part of the game. And if you quit, then unfortunately you will fail. But if you stick with it and keep going and doing the things that we've been talking about on the podcast for five plus years, then you will be successful and you will do well over a long period of time. You just got to be patient. And I know that's hard. Patience does not come easy <laughs> and it's not cheap. Very, very true. All right. So I love that Kobe quote. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Okay. So let's move on to the next question. So we have, hi, Andrew. First off, thank you and Dave for all the great content you're putting out there with your podcast, website, and e-letter. I just started investing the beginning of 2022, and you guys have been a massive help in my investing journey. I'm writing to see if you could provide further logic behind this month's pick. I fully understand how a great business it is, but also know it's not what you would call a great value, generically speaking, with a PE of 34. Your margin of safety, based off your numbers, stated 11.9% to 2.5% which to me isn't too great seeing a higher chance of a negative margin of safety than a positive one. Is this simply a Buffett buy a wonderful company at a fair price situation or is there something to my logic? Typically I feel like you've been pretty conservative and I don't recall seeing such an estimated negative margin of safety. So I wanted to see if you could provide any further thought not listed in the e-letter. So this is a fantastic question and I'm going to turn it over to you, sir, Andrew, and we'll have some fun with it. Yeah, sounds good. I love this question. Thanks for writing in, Drew. So just to give people background in case they're not subscribed to the e-letter, with every stock pick I do, I estimate what I think the real intrinsic value is, and then there's a margin of safety. So I say, you know, there might be a 10 to 20% margin of safety. In the case of the January pick, it was actually a minus 11.9% to 2.5%. So Essentially, what I was saying is there's like 
you could be overpaying by 10% or it could be fairly valued or maybe a little bit undervalued. And I mean, I guess the easiest way to say it is really buy a wonderful company at a fair price. And you have to be careful, I think, extending that logic out and taking it to its extreme where you make that as a justification for every stock you buy. But what I'm doing every month is I'm really looking at all the opportunities that I see that are out there. And, you know, since I'm not buying the same stock picks six months in a row, in the case that I'm wrong, which I've been wrong in the past and I'm going to continue to be wrong in the future. So you diversify. But any given point in time, you look and see what's out there. And sometimes there are more deals and sometimes you just feel like there aren't that many great deals. And so you buy something that's maybe fairly valued versus I would rather do that if there really is a great company out there and it's at a fair value. I would rather do that than buy a stock that's super, super cheap, but I only expect it to grow 1% a year or maybe it's not even going to grow for the next 10 years. So you kind of have, it's all about trade-offs when it comes to investing and you're always looking to see what opportunities are out there. The reality is you can't always control like, I want to buy this kind of a stock at this price every single month. And so you got to take the deals when they're there. But sometimes you just take what the market has to offer you. And that's how I felt was the case in December leading up to January. So when you bought this company, what percentage of the portfolio is this company now? Like what percentage of it? It's less than a percent. So it's just the regular monthly deposit. Okay. So the reason why I'm asking that is sometimes when you're when you're making investments, sometimes the bigger the bet, the maybe the stronger the margin of safety. And because this one has a lower margin of safety, you're taking a smaller flyer on this not flyer, but you're taking a smaller position in this company and you can grow that position over time as maybe the margin of safety improves or increases. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's the I would look at it when I'm investing in something that maybe doesn't offer me as much margin of safety as company B may, but over time, it could be something that I could build into it as well. And the other thing you have to think about too is when we're thinking about Buffett, it's a great quote, you know, buy a wonderful company at a fair price. Sometimes there, the market's going to offer us companies that are going to be great investments over a long period of time, but the price that we pay may seem air quote expensive at the time, but over a 10 year period, it's not going to be. And I read something the other day where people were talking about valuation makes a lot of impact in the short term, but the quality of the business makes a bigger impact over a long term because it's going to improve the way that the company is operating is going to generate better and better returns over a longer period of time, and it'll lessen the impact of what it was that you paid at that particular time. And I think one of the things that Charlie was talking about when he kind of talks about this kind of idea is he talks about the idea of buying a company that has great returns on capital. And over a longer period of time, you're going to get a great return. I think we'll definitely fall into that category. There's others out there as well. And the other thing about this particular company, if you look at the PE ratio of this particular company over the last 10 to 15 years, it's never been low. It just, it's never been cheap. And this is actually the cheapest it's been 
in a while. And so, like Andrew was saying, you, you got to fish where the fish are. And the market presented this opportunity at this time, and you got to take advantage of it when you can. And if it is a 1% or less position of your portfolio, then it's not a real big bet. And it's also not something that if it doesn't do as well as you hope it does, then it's not really going to impact negatively your portfolio that much. And But if it does do well, it has bigger upside that would benefit your portfolio much more. So those are things that I think about when I'm thinking about different kinds of investments that I make. This particular company I like a lot. <laughs> and, you know, it, it doesn't at this time, it doesn't offer a huge margin of safety. But I think the returns on capital are going to outweigh over the longer period of time. And I guess, again, that's kind of the Charlie Munger in me as opposed to the Warren Buffett in me. So that's, I guess that's kind of my take. Yeah. I mean, I don't want people to think that because it's a small percentage of my portfolio that I see it as like a highly risky stock. Mm -hmm. Like with every stock pick I'm doing, I'm doing it under the assumption that somebody could be building their portfolio for the very first time. And if I think it's going to be risky for a 10 year period, I'm just not going to recommend it. Period. Right. Yeah. But the numbers back up what you were saying with Charlie Munger, where you could pay a higher valuation in the short term. You might have some problems over the long term. It will actually, the higher return on capital will balance it out. What makes that so hard is that it's really, really hard to find those companies that actually do that. So I kind of think of it as, think of it as you have like a limited, I don't know why this, like I couldn't get this image out of my head today, but think of it as like you have a limited number of arrows mm -hmm. and you know, you're not shooting every arrow at what you think is a wonderful company, wonderful company, high valuation, wonderful company. Like these are special arrows that you only pull out at a certain amount of time because mm -hmm. the odds really aren't in your favor when mm -hmm. you buy a high company at a high valuation. But every once in a while, there is that exceptional company. And in the case of this pick, it's one of those that they have a proven model and they're literally just copy pasting it in different geographies. Mm -hmm. And I think people like have this assumption about the company that number of geographies they could copy paste to are a lot less than there actually is. Right. So it's one of those, you got to have like good reasons why I'm going to spend this arrow on a company that's truly wonderful and, you know, could still end up being wrong on it. But that's why you invest because you got to see. Sometimes you got to take that chance and, you know, like a lot of the things you said with some companies it can pay out and we'll see if it does with this one. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our conversation for today. I wanted to thank everybody for sending us those fantastic questions. Those were great. And those were a lot of fun to talk about. And hopefully you guys got some good research and some good ideas from the thoughts that we had. If you are curious about anything that we are talking about, such as PE ratios, returns on capital, any of those kinds of jargony types of questions, please check out our website, einvestingforbeginners.com. We have a huge search bar at the top of the page. You can simply type in PE ratio or return on capital and voila, you will see lots of great articles there helping you learn more about these topics and much, much more. We have over a thousand articles on the website. So if you really want to dive into investing, there's a great place to go. Without any further ado, I will go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. 
Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.